Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and today we're taking on a bit of a complicated story, but super relevant and super monumental um, in this country, um, let alone in the state of Indiana, where this whole case was born and and rose up and uh, ended up at the Supreme Court of the United States. So I'm joined today by Susie Tulevsky. She's an attorney in Valparaiso, Indiana, up here in Porter County. And she has a father, she had a father who needed nursing home care. And so she um, helped place him in a nursing home in Valparaiso. Um, the treatment that he received there was subpar. It was unacceptable. And Susie was um, just, um, you know, just frustrated with the her inability to deal with this nursing home. They were, you know, violating his rights um, as a nursing home. And um, ultimately, Susie felt like there was such a violation that she needed to sue this nursing home because of the violation of his rights. She used. Um, a law called the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act. Um, that is a federal law that contains a patient's bill of rights. And in that bill of rights includes um, um, uh, a right not to be chemically restrained, that is overdrugged so that you are placid and not disagreeable, and also to not be moved without the notice to um, the family. Uh, and both of those things happened to her dad. She then um, decided to sue using this federal law. And um, because it's a federal law, she uses um, what's called Section 1983, which is kind of a vehicle created in the late 1800s in our country to allow people to sue using federal law to redress federally guaranteed rights. So she sued in federal court and was kicked out um, and then wanted to appeal to the um, Federal Appellate Court, which is the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago, and um, but really felt like that was too much. Um, Susie's, you know, just her. She, I mean, she's an attorney, but that's a big that's a big deal. Appealing um, to a federal court is a very big deal. Um, and she thought it was all over. And then came along uh, this great nonprofit law firm from Washington D.C. who said hey, we'd like to help you appeal this case. And they did. And they went to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals and they won, which meant that she should then be able to go back to the federal district court and have a, a trial on the facts to decide whether she was entitled to uh, financial uh, remedy uh, that's allowed under this federal law. So, uh, but then, um, <laughs> then the uh, defendants, which turned out to be an organization called HHC, which is an actual governmental entity uh, created in Marion County, Indiana, um, and this corporation, uh, this governmental agency owns um, many, let's see, it turns out 15 um, licenses for nursing homes all over the state, including the one in Valpo. They okay. don't they don't go ahead. What did I get? Did I get something wrong? Tell me. It's, they own 78 uh, licenses, 15% of the total. I'm sorry. Great. Yeah, Thank no, you. Okay. So they own 78 um, licenses. They don't run the nursing homes. They don't own the buildings um, that these nursing homes are in. They simply own the license. And because a governmental agency owns that license, they are entitled to a higher reimbursement from Medicaid. So HHC out of Marion County um, owns all of these uh, nursing home licenses and they get this money in and, um, and we'll get a little bit more into the details <laughs> as we go about what they did with that money. Um, but anyway, so that is now, um, you know, that's the defendant. And so that group um, uh, with Todd Rokita, our clown attorney general here in Indiana, um, got together and tried to get um, certiorari, that is um, a review by the Supreme Court of the United States um, to try to overturn that decision that was provided by the uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Well, it went to the Supreme Court 
And um, many of us were involved with protesting um, this case, um, protesting HHC for, for taking this to the Supreme Court, because if HHC won at the Supreme Court level, it would mean that millions, hundreds of millions, I think, of people would not be able to sue uh, bad actors who are receiving Medicaid and providing subpar uh, services. It would wipe out that cause of action, that ability to sue to millions of people who are, um, who are, who are getting services from federally funded or providers. So um, anyway, and everyone thought, all right, this is over. Look at the Supreme Court makeup. There are a bunch of conservatives. This is never going to work. Um, and, you know, no one had really much hope. Um, I won't say that because I know Susie probably did. But, um, but and, and frankly, all the protesting we did was trying to get HHC, the defendant, to pull their application to the Supreme Court, even though I think that probably isn't really even a thing. <laughs> I think once it's there, I don't know if you can pull it. But anyway, so that's all we felt like we could do. We felt like we had no other, nothing else to ask. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't pull it. And, and again, I'm not sure if they even could. But um, anyway, and, and Joe Hogsett, mayor from Indianapolis, who's really all very much tied into this governmental agency at the county level. I, uh, you'll recall Marion County has a UNIGOV, uh, city county government unified. So he is you know, all involved in this government entity, HHC, HHC uh, that owns all these licenses. And we'll get into again, what the bad actors. Um, but anyway, she won. <laughs> the Supreme Court of the United States ruled on um, Susie's case. So she will be forever in the books with her name, Tlefsky versus HHC. And um, as uh, the winner, the savior um, who protected the rights, the federal rights of millions of people such that they can still sue um, a provider who is getting federal dollars and who does not comply with federal civil rights law. So, oh my gosh. I mean, this, you know, the day I heard is I just like called Susie immediately. Like, oh my God, I could not believe it. I was so blown away that you won. And this is such an amazing thing. And so Susie and I have talked a lot and I'm going to let her talk some more here eventually. <laughs> but I wanted to get that story out there so everyone could kind of get a grasp on the big picture. But Susie, now I want you to, you know, tell us, you know, your story, how you ended up there. I mean, I was just so thrilled to hear your story a long time ago. Um, but this is really one of those, I don't even know how, you know, unwinding of, you know, it's an onion layers and layers of kind of bizarre, you know, bad actors and government bad acting. Um, and so there's a lot going on in this, in this case. Um, but anyway, I mean, but I just want to just reiterate that this case and Susie's case really has guaranteed for hundreds of millions of people um, some recourse when they are not treated well. So Susie, let's talk about what happened at that nursing home and what happens at nursing homes all over the state, um, you know, who, whose licenses are held by HHC or other county government agencies. Well, unfortunately, um, in the state of Indiana, most of the nursing homes are woefully understaffed. I think that's the number one uh, biggest problem. And that's very common actually throughout the country. You know, they just don't have enough staff. And um, that's what was going on at Valpo, Valparaiso Care and Rehabilitation. So one of the ways they deal with short staffing is they actually you know, will dope people up, you know, what they call chemically restrained people. And that, you know, basically makes them, you know, makes the, the patient just sleep all day, you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of catatonic, sedated, they sleep all day, they don't move around. And, you know, that makes it easier for, for what staff there, <laughs> there is. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a, a violation of a patient's civil rights. You know, can you imagine it's the, it's the same thing as if you would tie them up physically restrain them, right? You know, if you chemically restrain them with 
high, and usually it's high levels of what they call psychotropic medication, you know, psychiatric drugs, essentially. And um, that's what happened with my dad. Uh, he was in the dementia unit and, you know, he deteriorated very, very quickly. And I asked, like, what is going on with him? Why is he deteriorating so quickly? And they kept telling me, oh, it's the progression of the disease. You know, dementia is a progressive disease. That's true. But this was quite rapid. <laughs> and um, eventually I did, um, you know, figure out like I, I, I thought to myself, I was watching them actually give him a bunch of medication. I, I asked them. I, I didn't know what medications exactly they were giving him at that moment in time. I thought that that looks like a lot of medication. So I asked to see, you know, all his medications, the list of medications. That's where I found out that he was taking six. They were giving him six psychiatric medications out of wow. 10 total. And I recognized, you know, the medications um, that they were, medications that could knock a horse off, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's feet, you know, much less a human being. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I know exactly what's going on here now. And so I did get him help, um, you know, from an outside neurologist and we were able to taper down that medicine. I did file a complaint with the Indiana state department of health and they did nothing. Um, but I was happy to see my dad come back to life gradually but then what happened is they started um, sending him out to a, a hospital, a neuropsychiatric hospital, like an hour and a half away in Bremen, Indiana, in Marshall County. So we know I'm from Porter County. You're from LaPorte County. We know where Marshall County is. Yes. It's, it's another time zone. It's <clears throat> in the yeah. Eastern time yeah. zone. It's an hour and a half away from here in the middle of nowhere. No offense to Marshall County, but it's really yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And um, they did this three times consecutively with like maybe a day or two in between each time. And the third time they abandoned him there. They left him there and they contacted us like the day before, like it was a Friday. They contacted us. He was supposed to come back on Monday. And then they sent us a document, you know, via FedEx basically saying we're not taking him back. And then it listed the, um, you know, the information about doing an appeal through the Indiana State Department of Health, which we did do. We, you know, we took advantage of this. We thought this was a way we could get him back. So we did this appeal. We won the appeal, actually. The administrative law judge said that the transfer, you know, they didn't follow the proper procedure. So it was illegal. He has to come back. But the nursing home, which was run by American Senior Communities, which is the private partner of the health, uh, the Health and Hospital Corporation of Marion County. And Marion County, everybody should understand, is essentially the city of Indianapolis. Right. They're one right. and the same. Right. Because, yeah, the Unigov thing. The Unigov. You know, so the city of Indianapolis sits in Marion County. And so this kind of, this is what started my whole entire battle, this this whole thing, because I just, you know, I complained to the, the State Department of Health. I said, hey, they're not abiding by this decision. What are you going to do about it? And they told me, oh, we're not going to do anything about it. You have to take them to court, to, to state court is what they told me. Right. And this is where my disagreement with them came about. Um, right. So which you can do, you can sue at the state level under state uh, tort law. Um, unfortunately, though, Indiana has, um, you know, some of the worst uh, tort law for plaintiffs, that is, um, the worst um, awards sc uh, scales um, and the worst, like, um, you know, threshold for winning. I mean, um, I think, you know, most attorneys say, well, you know, you pretty much got to die. Um, yeah, well, for you know, to have a case. Yeah, because it has to go before this medical yes. review board. And they're very difficult to get by, you know, they'll reject it, they'll give it a negative, you know, recommendation. And so state law really is not very useful in this case. That's right. And at that, and also at the time, you know, there was really no way to enforce, you know, FINRA unless you did what I did, you know, so. Um, right. So FINRA know, being I, the Federal I, Nursing Home Federal Reform Nursing Act. Home Reform. Yes. Right. Right. Which so, is federal law. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in this whole story, you know, I, I, I really was confused by the reaction of the State Department of Health and you know, just the whole thing. I thought, what is going on here? You know, we have this federal law that seems like a very strong law, 
but right. it's not being enforced. And the Indiana State Department of Health is supposed to be enforcing it. So I was not satisfied. And, you know, I mean, it, you know, at one point they started to stop taking my phone calls, stop replying to my messages. And I thought, I think they thought I was just going to go away because I mean, most people are going to go away because this is kind of, you know, <laughs> a lot of time yeah. and effort to fight yeah. them. But I didn't do that. I decided to go see my Congressman. I went to see Congressman Vesklowski instead. And I complained to him, you know, but th then I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research on, you know, because I was wanting to understand why did American senior communities think that they could shirk the federal law and get away with it? Right. It seems federal dollars. Right. It seemed to me that they were very confident that the State Department of Health was going to do nothing about oh. about it. And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, so initially I, I did not know that Marion County owned the nursing home. I found out through this book here. There you go. The Poverty Industry. The Exploitation of America's Most Vulnerable Citizens by Daniel Hatcher. Yes, this is an excellent book. I recommend it to all your viewers. Mm -hmm. and but all what Americans. you found in it was information about Indiana. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was I was just Googling, you know, and trying to figure out more about American senior communities. And they're a very interesting company, to say the least. And I came across this book the poverty industry. Mm -hmm. And it was a newly issued book, brand new. And they had, they had a sample chapter, you know, online. And the sample chapter that they had coincidentally happened to be about American senior communities and wow. the health and hospital corporation of Marion County. And that's how I found out about the scheme, the Medicaid scheme that Indiana is engaging in, wherein they take astronomical sums of Medicaid money in because they, these counties, several counties, about 20 or so, have um, these hospitals that are county hospitals. And so mm -hmm. if they, if a county hospital owns a nursing home, then the Medicaid money that they're getting mm -hmm. in, taking in for care of the patients, they get higher, what they call supplemental uh, payments, also known as upper payment limits. And so they're taking in much, much more than just a private nursing home. So what's happened in the state of Indiana is something very, very unusual, where the nursing homes in this state, 90% of them are owned by these county hospitals. Because, and the originator of this whole scheme is uh, the Health and Hospital Corporation of Marion County. And at that time, it was under the leadership of um, the CEO, his name was is Matthew Goodwine, okay? And he's the one, along with a few other people, and this all, by the way, is from the Indianapolis Star articles, um, mm -hmm. you know, that came up with this idea in the, I think it was around 2003, 2004, because their, their public safety net hospital was bleeding money. Right. So they yes, needed sir. to come up with financing cash, you know, quickly, and they didn't want to tax the people of Marion County. So they came up with this, like, it's almost like a loophole if you think about it like oh if we buy up nursing home licenses they don't even buy up the actual nurse the, the physical right. nursing home they buy up the license then we can charge these very high upper payment limits and within this now th this i don't understand how this is legal i really don't I haven't figured it out but apparently they don't have to use this money uh, for the actual nursing home patients. They can right, to actually care for the nursing home patients. I, That's th right. It's just amazing. That's right. So they're diverting something like 60 to 70% of the money away from the nursing home patients to other uses. Now, in the case of Marion County, they one of the uses is they built themselves a brand new $750 million uh, public safety net hospital, top of the line, by the way, very extravagant, luxurious, you know, uh, very beautiful, um, maybe way more than what they needed. I don't know. Well, but, the money. Uh, you know, they got the money, you know, on yeah. the backs of other people suffering. That's right. And they, they, they did this, you know, um, and uh, it's got all kinds of art in there. It's got a, a rooftop garden, you know, Fancy. Got a lot of extravagance in there, and they named it Ashkenazi Hospital, you know, after mm -hmm. um, a very wealthy family that donated some money 
but really they should have na named it Nursing Home Patients Memorial Hospital because right. the way this hospital is actually built is upon the suffering of nursing home patients here in Indiana. Right. And you got to remember most of the nursing homes that they own are outside of Marion County. Right. You but know, all that so money was, you know, that they received and reimbursements got spent, you know, and it was also, I think some of the money too went to prop up the old hospital, Wisher Hospital, because it was, you know, it was bleeding money. And, um, and so they diverted that money to prop up Wisher Hospital until they could build the fancy pants new Eskenazi and then to just, you know, demo um, uh, the Wisher Hospital. So, right. So yes, and so uh, and we we know just statistically that Indiana spends the least of all states on nursing home care. Yeah, well, that's true. It's what's interesting about Indiana. Also, we we get the most amount of money in Medicaid dollars for nursing home care, but actually we have the worst nursing homes. Right, it's because of the scheme. So I right. you know, I didn't know any of this. I did not know any of this prior to my dad you know, uh, going into this nursing home. I had no idea this was going on. So it what was very, very shocking to me, actually. I was like, really shocked. And I was very angry. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, my dad didn't need to suffer and neither right. do any any of these other nursing home patients. This is right. all kind of an artificial, um, you know, environment that they've created intentionally because they want to make as much money as they can for, for themselves. And right. really, we don't know where all the money's going. Right. You know, there's not, there's no transparency here. Right. Well, and, and the arrogance, I mean, just, you know, the arrogance, I mean, the lack of humanity to, you know, oh. to just, you know, just not care for all these people in nursing homes um, so that you can skim off this money and do whatever you want. It's so, really stunning. You, you said it perfectly. It the lack of humanity is stunning to me. I mean, their, you know, <laughs> their insatiable greed is only outmatched by their unbridled cruelty to nursing home patients, to disabled people, to the most right. vulnerable in society. This is so unacceptable. It's unacceptable to any human being, any normal human being that you speak to. But somehow, to the people who are running this at the very top, you know, apparently it's acceptable. So I don't, I am just dumbfounded by this because these are our fellow Hoosiers after all. This is all right. happening they're, in they're our parents and our grandparents, you know? Yeah. Shocking. So then you decided to uh, sue them. I did, but I decided to sue them in a, in, a, in a different way. You know, obviously I did not use the Indiana medical malpractice statute. You know, I decided I was going to, you know, when I figured out that who owned this was, it was actually Marion County. Then I, I said to myself, wait a minute, the government is abusing my father. That changed everything. Um, the government, the local government, Marion County is violating federal law the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act. And in my view, you know, the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, which has the Nursing Home Patients Bill of Rights, it creates all these rights, all these protections. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, wait a minute, you know, can't we use Section 1983? These are civil rights violations. Can't we use Section 1983 to hold them accountable? And so I did a little research little legal research. And I hit the jackpot when I found the one and only case in the country at the time, <laughs> which was out of the Third Circuit, um, came out of Pennsylvania. And the Third Circuit had ruled, it's, it's called the Grammar case. And the Third Circuit had ruled, I don't know, at that time, maybe it was seven, eight years before. You're not, not you know, I've been fighting this fight for many years. So <laughs> you know, I can't remember sure exactly how far back. This point, yeah. Yeah, so it, it existed and it was exactly on point, exactly on point. So once I found that case, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. We can do this here in the Seventh Circuit in Indiana, you know. And I did find that there, uh, you know, there had been um, a case out of the Southern District of Indiana, but that was dismissed, you know, same sort of, you know, theory, legal theory, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act being, you know, violation of rights being uh, enforced through Section 1983, they never took it to the Seventh Circuit. 
And then there was a case, there was a case out of um, Wisconsin also in federal court. They got dismissed too. They never took it to the Seventh Circuit. And then there was a case out of Illinois, same thing. But they never took it to the Seventh Circuit. So I knew that, well, you know, there was no case from Northern District of Indiana. So I thought to myself, hey, you know, let's try it up here. But in my mind, it was always like this case has to get to the Seventh Circuit because that's how you establish precedent. Right. And, and I and I thought we could replicate what they did in the Third Circuit. That was the idea. They We can replicate it. And obviously it would have a very, very wide social impact here in the state of Indiana. So it was a, my motivation was dual, you know, was seeking mm -hmm. justice for my father. But the other very strong motivation was I needed to help others, you know, other nursing home patients and their families. Right. And you in know, those other cases, they lost, they got, they got nothing for the suffering of their relatives. And right. So, yeah. I mean, you, it was not a cause of action. So, you know, yeah. you, you really had to take it up to the seventh circuit. So, I mean, so when, you know, I found one attorney, one other attorney in the state of Indiana that was willing to help me, we filed in district court in the Northern district. They filed, you know, HHC filed a motion to dismiss. They got it dismissed after 10 months, right when the pandemic started. So in March oh, wow. of 2020, is when we got dismissed. Oh, wow. So uh, that was, you know, obviously very upsetting, but you know, I was hoping that I'd win. And then I figured that they would take me to the seventh circuit. So I thought as a winner, you, you'd have a bit or a little better, bit of a better chance of, you know, winning, but I was like, oh no, I'm going to be a, you know, the loser going in. So doing the appeal. So, but what, then what happened was really, a, I call it a miracle. This, this attorney contacted me from this very big prestigious law firm. He's an appellate attorney. His name is Andrew Tutt. And He's brilliant. And he contacted me uh, and offered his help pro bono. Um, and his law firm is no charge. That means no charge, no charge. And yeah, his I mean, he he works for one of the biggest law firms in the country, one of the most prestigious law firms, Arnold and Porter. And so, of course, I well, actually, I was shocked to tell you the truth. I didn't even believe it was a real <laughs> appellate attorney calling me. I thought somebody was pulling a prank on me or a scam or something like that. But he turned out to be real. And I, of course, I said, yes, we would love your help. And that started our journey, um, you know, our appellate journey that really was, you know, during the pandemic. So you know, in, in a kind of a miserable situation with the pandemic and my worry about my father and everything and, you know, and just everybody else, you know, obviously, you know, we were, we were working on this. And then, you know, we had the oral arguments in December of... Um, what was it, 20, um, I guess it was December of 2020. And then the decision came out July 27th, I think of 2021, where we won three to zero. So that was a monumental big decision out of the seventh circuit. Now I knew that these, you know, HHC was gonna file a petition for cert because there's no way they would let that stand. You know, this is their billion dollar baby, right? you know? And this your winning would out. mean that anybody could sue. And, you know, so under that federal law, the, the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, there's damages, you can get attorney's fees. Um, is it anything more? Is it punitive? Can you get punitive damages as well or trouble? Or I, I, There is something with punitive damages. I, I can't remember if it's, don't quote me on this because I, I, I don't exactly know if it goes to the private company or, or the public company, but I think that's also a possibility. So right. Yes. So I mean, but you can, I mean, just getting attorney's fees is huge. I mean, right. Because that means that's that true. anybody can, you know, get an attorney to help them because they will get, if they win, they will get attorney's fees under Indiana's, you know, malpractice uh, um, laws or tort laws you know, no, no, you would never be able to get attorney's fees unless it was some just egregious, you know, egregious behavior. Um, right. So, so having won that meant that, um, meant that, um, you know, that anybody would be able to sue. So, okay. As we were saying that um, we knew this was a big deal and we knew that they would appeal um, the seventh circuit court of appeals decision um, because it would allow so many people um, to sue and to get decent 
remedies, um, decent right, nursing home uh, patients, right? Right. They would be able to sue and they would be able to get decent money and attorney's fees, um, which would allow more people to sue. Um, and of course, they knew that the you know that a lot of people were going to sue because the care they were providing was so abysmal. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how they're able to thrive uh, financially is by cutting their labor cost. Mm-hmm. You know, which results in substandard care, which results in the negligence and the abuse of the elderly nursing home patients. This right. is their business model. Yes, this is their business model. And Dang. so they couldn't possibly let this stand. But hey, when you're trying to get to the Supreme Court, that's pretty big. So, you know, their appellate attorney, Supreme Court litigator, you know, he's a pretty smart guy. And um, the way he was able to get this case really into the Supreme Court, you know, what what they call, you know, went up on what they call a petition of certiorari Mm -hmm. is on the much bigger question, the monumental question. So the big question was whether, um, you know, beneficiaries of public safety net programs, of any public safety net program can sue uh, you know, state actors, counties, you know, cities, anyone state. receiving federal dollars, right? Yeah, anyone yeah. receiving these federal dollars for violations of their federal rights under section 1983. This was a huge monumental question, because this had really been long established, um, you know, uh, federal law, you know, and, you know, through the, the precedents, you know, of the Supreme Court, so people could sue, like, if you're a Medicaid beneficiary, and, you know, I don't, let's say hypothetically, the state doesn't want to pay for a wheelchair that you're entitled to, you know, uh, from Medicaid. Well, you can sue the state, you know, and right. you, many... you can sue using federal law. So you can yeah, sue... yeah, for a violation. Yeah. Right. Federal law that creates a federal right, though. Right. Because not all federal law creates a federal right, but certain ones do. OK, so OK, so back to the topic of why this became such an important case at the Supreme Court level. And it was because the defendants in this case, HHC and you know Marion County basically, and our clown attorney, uh, Todd Rokita, um, framed the question uh, much more broadly. And so tried to use this as a mechanism to, uh, to prevent people from suing uh, using Section 1983 to uh, get remedies for violation of their federal civil rights um, in all kinds of other circumstances, not just the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, but even just Medicaid. So right. that's the question laws. that ended up in front of the Supreme Court. Right. Yeah, it was a question of of, public, uh, of spending clause um, legislation meaning any social safety net program that comes from the federal government to the state government to the beneficiaries. So you're right. talking about, you know, depriving about 100 million people of their very longstanding civil rights. That's what Marion County was trying to do. They were trying to roll back the civil rights of this country, very longstanding, about 50 some years. And they teamed up. So the Marion County, which a lot of people may not know if they're watching, I don't know who's going to watch this, but Marion County is completely 100% controlled by Democrats. So they ended up teaming up with Todd Rokita. And then he brought in, I think about 21 other red state attorneys general as they came in as amicus supporters. You know, they filed an amicus brief, what's known as the friend of the court. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pretty shocked by this actually. Um, as to what they just were asking. Imagine. I mean, and that's where we all were while we were waiting for this Supreme Court case to be argued and decided. We were all, you know, like in a full panic in this state. Well, can you imagine how I felt? <laughs> I know. Right. When you told me that, I was, I just meant so much to me. I couldn't believe it when you said, I was so afraid that my name would be attached to a case that took away rights from millions of people and so i was afraid i can't imagine i can't imagine the whole point of this lawsuit was to do something good right to give people their rights through finra and the federal nursing home reform act you know which was question two there were two questions in front of the supreme court question two was about 
specifically about my case, the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act, mm -hmm. and whether the you know provision against chemical restraint and the provision against an involuntary transfer were enforceable you know, through section 1983, that's question two, but question one was really a monumental, huge question. And yes, I was extremely worried. I was, you know, as they say, beside myself, you know, yeah. but, oh my gosh. um, I, I mean, so we were all in a panic. Yeah. I mean, yes. and I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, um, social justice organizations like, um, citizens action coalition, uh, Hoosier action, um, you know, groups like that were really out there protesting, really trying to make um, some news about it and trying to get HHC to pull that. And even hogs that, um, you know, during an election year um, piped in to say, we should just do the more specific question, not this more broad, broadly framed question that would impact so many more people. Um, but it was, well, it was all is, not. Right? I mean, you can't just say... I mean, yeah, you can't just say, oh, you know, like halfway, you know, halfway there. Okay. Hey, Supreme Court, you know, never mind about that one part. Um, you know, it was in the, you know, the fix and he, was in, and, he had to do it. And Deb, he knows that. I mean, Joe Hogsett is the former yeah. U.S. attorney for the Southern District. He very well knows that. Yeah. He's quite manipulative and he's a hypocrite and essentially is lying to the people. He knows that you can't just now as, you know, say, oh, you know, Please just consider only question two, not question one. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it does know, not work like I, that. Once you go through all the trouble to, you know, write an appeal to the United States Supreme Court, you don't get to go back and edit it along the way. Right. So, it's. I mean, he's ridiculous. You know. So I mean, I'm. Was, I'm hoping somebody will find out the. Uh, I think there's a political backstory here, very much worth telling. Yes. Um, yes. Because, there's definitely a book in this. Yeah, I think I think uh, Marion County is probably one of the most corrupt counties in the country. I mean, after seeing this and I mean, this entire case, the what they the way they pursued it is it's really shocking to the conscience, actually, it is. Uh, especially it is. the I, fact that they're Democrats. I, yeah, I just you know, I participated it. in many of those protests in Indianapolis and it was just heartbreaking. Um, you know, people came to, you know, because we what we do is we go to the HHC public uh, board meetings, and there was a space for public comment. And so we would all, you know, one by one, get up and say our piece. But people were coming in who were so severely uh, disabled and would testify as to what would happen if they had no cause of action uh, to, you know, to remedy a wrong against them, you know, to be uh, mishandled, mistreated, um, under uh, covered with Medicaid, um, you know, uh, certain medications not being covered when they should. They ha would have no redress for those kinds of bad acts by providers who uh, were getting federal dollars. I mean, it's just so widespread. There's no way that you could say, oh, well, all of them will just behave. No way. But no, now, the states don't behave. And it doesn't no. matter whether it's a red state or a blue state, you know? Right. You can and have there's always bad actors. Top. Yeah. Exactly. There's always and bad so actors. Now, yeah, now all of those bad actors would be protected. They would be allowed to treat nursing home patients and anyone on Medicaid, um, however they wanted. And there would be no redress for those for those bad acts. So I mean, it was a it was a very intense time, a very scary time. Um, you know, waiting for this, you know, oral argument yeah. at the Supreme Court, and then of course waiting, you know, even longer for the decision. It was like another what seven months or something after the yeah, oral. Yeah, it was arguments. exactly seven months. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on me too from different national advocacy groups, you know, civil rights groups, disability rights groups, women's rights groups, that I somehow should extricate myself from this case. Because the consensus was pretty much about, you know, from all the legal experts and, you know, everybody in the know that we're going to lose this case. That's why the court took it. They took it for one reason right. and they took it to reverse. And then really they took it for question number one. <laughs> right. And so yeah. um, it put me in a very difficult uh, position, but I really didn't see um, any way. Uh, I mean, I I'm, I'm the respondent I... in this whole saga. So you know, yeah. I, all I we could do was fight on. Either. Yeah, I, I had, you know, zero confidence that this was going to go our way. So, um, yeah. And well, then, I, so then, I had more know. confidence than most people. I mean, we, we always thought that there could be a path to five. 
you know, but it was a narrow path, but we always thought, thought there was a path to five. So and when you say path to five, you mean a majority of the majority. Supreme Court justices ruling in your favor. Right. Yeah. So that yeah, was well, everybody else. So um, I can't imagine. And it was, you know, it was great that this uh, law firm stuck with you um, and, you know, and, you know, was able to take it to the Supreme Court. Um, I mean, oh my gosh, I mean, and they were absolutely fantastic. And this entire victory really um, is because they worked so hard. Um, They were tireless in, in, you know, how much effort they put in to this case. I mean, all Hoosiers should be grateful to Arnold and Porter, really (laughs) all Hoosiers, every single one of us, you know, especially the lead appellate attorney, Andrew Tutt. He worked so hard on this case. There was about 20 attorneys that worked tirelessly on this case, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I was, you know, trying to do my little part, but, you know, they really were the ones that, um, you know, they have, like, I would call an entire system there, you know, running a Supreme Court case. They know what they're doing, you know, so I was. Right. So really, now let's talk about an opportunity her. to learn, actually. So. But yes. What a great education, I bet. Yes. Now you're ready to do your own, you know, Supreme Court. No education. way. <laughs> <laughs> so now, though, let's talk about what, you know, what this means. This win means that nursing home care had better be up to snuff under the Patients Bill of Rights in the uh, Federal Nursing Home Reform Act or they're going to get sued and they're going to get right, sued right. for a lot so, of money and for so attorney's fees. Right. So the big shocker was on June 8th, the decision came down and the big shocker was that we won seven to two on both questions, not just on one, on both questions. That is and, amazing. you know, um, it, it's, you know, my, <laughs> they say it's a miracle, you know, we needed a miracle to win, but I it said, hey, like a I believe in miracles. Really you know, that's what my, my appellate attorney said, Susie, we need a miracle to win this case. This so is I just think a what it case. means now is that nursing homes will do a better job. I mean, well, you know, I, right. I, 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 I don't give, I, you know, they need to, right. They have to improve their they quality better. of care, but, but will they, right now they, they, of course have, there is, um, you know, the well, so now there's a financial of, incentive to do better. Well, I mean, you would think that would motivate them. I'm not so sure, actually. I really am not so sure. Um, I mean, you would think, you know, just basic psychology and basic understanding of motivation, right? That now, oh, you can be held accountable. You should improve the quality of care. Very, very simple. Just improve the standards of care, you know, follow the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act. I mean, but it's I am shocking not so anyway. Sure. It's kind of shocking anyway, isn't it, that there, like, there was no remedy of HHC losing their um, license, you know, um, for, you know, having violated these rights. You would think that would be kind of a first. Well, the state of Indiana step. would never do that. And, 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 and apparently neither will the federal government. I mean, this whole story is very interesting in that, you know, the state of Indiana is sort of you know, in bed with them in a way, you know, because I mean, if you look at who owns these nursing homes, you know, I mean, Marion County is the biggest player, they're controlled by Democrats, but the rest of the counties are controlled by Republicans, right? And the state is controlled by Republicans. And this, this is a massive amount of money coming into the state. And a lot of that money is being donated into the, into the campaign coffers of a lot of our politicians, right? So that's right. They and I mean, look who controls the state. You know, Eric Holcomb. He, you know, he's been there what uh, yeah. seven years. You know, mm-hmm. has he done anything to improve? You know, the lives of nursing home patients. Our, our governor? No, nothing. You, no. He's and never. There was just a, re- a recent article showing. I think it was the health industry uh, was the second largest uh, campaign donor. Uh, I, I think they might have been the first largest. First, and then the I thought it was the was, I thought it was the um charter school people were first. Oh maybe. I don't know. I mean there's yeah, you I know, think there's they were first and uh, the health health provide health industry was um the second largest um donated yeah. to you yeah. know pol- politicians. So I mean I think though I, I what I hope and you know because this case got so little media coverage and part of it's because it's it's complicated it's a it's a complicated story it's a complicated issue um, but let's hope that it means that people will start suing 
and it will drive a requirement to provide higher quality care for people in nursing homes. I well, mean, I hope so. I mean, people can now stand up for their rights in right. federal court. I hope that more attorneys, uh, plaintiffs' attorneys or civil rights attorneys will take these cases, you know. Um, I mean, there are about 500 of these nursing homes and they're really gonna have to up their game and provide better quality care or else right. they're gonna be held accountable. Now, my, my, my big fear, you know, is because I, you know, I've been fighting these people for a very, very long time. I, it feels like I'm fighting the devil most of the time. Uh, my big fear is they are going to run to our United States senators or one of the congressmen right. and, you know, pay as much cash as they possibly can you know, and campaign contributions and get, um, get you know, someone uh, to uh, sponsor a bill to do a statutory fix. And I think that that is what they will do. So this is very important for citizens, all Hoosiers, to really pay attention um, to what they're up to. Um, because I, I don't think they're just going to go, you know, quietly, you know, or give give up their their big cash cow and they're not going to improve. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure, actually, Deb, why the federal government, the DOJ or the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General has not investigated what is going on in Indiana. So the federal government has totally failed us. And by the way, not only did they totally fail us, you know, just all these years, you know, by allowing this whole scheme to fester, but the you know solicitor general of the united states came in with an amicus brief the 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 that was against us on the nursing home question so they totally wow. threw hoosiers uh under the bus that's the biden administration again democrats you know and uh that was very very disappointing to see because was, you know yeah. i mean you know i'm <laughs> you know i'm just very disappointed in this this is outrageous yeah. Um, you know, so we had to face down local government, HHC, the state government in the in, in the form of Todd Rokita and all his 21, you know, uh, right. friends, you know, right wing friends, um, you know, the, the states that are conservative states and plus the solicitor general who was really, you know, they spent the, the, the deputy solicitor general who came to argue because, you know, there was three. Uh, attorneys prior to, to our attorney arguing, you know, in this case, there's four attorneys total. So first as a petitioner's attorney, then the Indiana Solicitor General Thomas Fisher came and, you know, he, you know, gave his argument. And then, of course, the Deputy Solicitor General of the United States, Ben Schneider, was there uh, making his argument that, you know, Hoosier nursing home patients should not have these rights. It was pretty appalling. Um, fortunately, seven of the justices did not buy it. <laughs> so in a second. Well, and then now also, now you have to go forward back to the district court and do your fact-finding uh, case. Right, 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 so, right, right. So the, now the, the case will come back here and then just be a regular civil rights case, you know, and um, it'll go forward. And, you know, I know other attorneys have already filed other cases um, oh, against really? other oh. county hospitals. Yes, you know, I know that. Uh, you know, using this uh, new precedent, uh, which is yeah. really great. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy about that. And I hope that people will get justice, you know, and I, I really hope that, um, you know, the legacy of this case will be improved quality of care for Hoosier nursing home patients, you know, the reinforcement of all our federal rights throughout the country, obviously, you know, and, and the, the fact that, you know, the, the, the weakest people in our society need to be protected but they all should also should be able to protect themselves and 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 take um, you know state actors who are abusing them to federal court and hold them accountable, just like Section 1983 intended. You know, this really is uh, really a David and Goliath battle. You know, this is, is a little guy, little, little people against the big state actors. You know, right? Who really they will take? I tell you what, if we're not vigilant as citizens, the states are gonna chip away at our rights. And this was, oh, yeah. they they tried to, I mean, this case, look how brazen they were. They right. were shameless and brazen in trying to take away the rights of the most vulnerable. And it's shameful that this was coming from Democrats in Marion County. And I certainly blame Joe Hogsett for most, if not all of this. Um, 
he's a very deceitful, manipulative uh, person. It's a shame that they renominated him to uh, be the mayor of Indianapolis. This guy should be ousted, ousted from public office. I mean, he's a disgrace, a disgrace yes, to not that. only Hoosiers, but a, literally a disgrace to humanity. That's who Joe Hogsett is. And, 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 and the others involved, there are many others involved here. You know, it wasn't like he just made this decision. There, there are many others. But if you look at this strictly from a political, you know, type of, um, you know, decision, it, it's definitely him, you know. And, and if you're ever wondering where is the Indiana ACLU, have you ever wondered where they are? Um, yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a reason they've never cared about Hoosier nursing home patients as well because the uh, executive director of the Indiana ACLU for many, many years, her name is Jane Henniger. She is the wife of Matt, Matthew Goodwine, the former CEO of Health and Hospital Corporation of Marion County. So you'll never, if you notice like where, where was the ACLU all this time? Right. You know, That's so a lot of problems in this state a lot of problems and, and, and uh, very disgraceful, but, you know, really Hoosiers need to wake up. They really need to wake up and start holding these public officials accountable. I mean, Todd Rokita's up for reelection, you know, yep. so is Hogsett. Why, why are people reelecting these people? Get them out of office. They have no business being public servants. They literally tried to take away the rights of a hundred million people. It, right. What they were trying to do was so bad that not even this conservative court could stomach it. And they came in on our side. It was inhumane what they were trying to do. Inhumane. It is inhumane. They're, they're, yeah. I, I, have, I have nothing but contempt for, for all of these people. But I'm glad I fought the good fight all the way to the end. And I really do believe that the angels were, not, were, were on our side. That's the only thing they can explain this. The angels were on our side. You, well, know? you are it, absolutely a shero. <laughs> and, um, and I'm so proud. I'm so proud to know you and so proud of everything you did. Um, and I'm sure that your father um, is proud too from wherever he is at now. Well, my I'm my sure. father was a yeah, very good man. He was a very good man. He was a very good father, very hard worker, you know. And, um, you know, I never, never would allow somebody to abuse my dad. And this was... They inflicted such a, a pain, a deep pain on my family. You know, it's really kind of, I, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's very painful, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I really, really do not want others to suffer this kind of pain, um, you know, other nursing home patients or their families. Um, there's really no need for, for, for this kind of abuse. You know, they need to improve their care. They need to hire more employees and they need to pay their employees more. These oh, yeah. employees are being paid, especially the certified nursing assistants are being paid very, very low wages, yeah. very low wages. When I used you to know? run early childhood programs, we would get a lot of employees who had been CNAs um, and who had left because the, the, the work was too hard. It was physically difficult. And they it's, and we paid more than, you know, than the nursing homes did to CNAs. Um, so uh, yeah, it was horrible. It's I mean, very physically yeah. demanding work. And yes. really it's primarily done by women. Very few oh, yeah. men will do this kind of work. And oftentimes you do need men in nursing homes to, to because a lot of yeah, men are physically stronger than, you know, than, than women. And, and, um, you know, there's really barely any men that go into nursing well, right. care field. Uh, it's, and that's because the wages are so low. Right. I mean, they intentionally, I, I mean, they're, they're, so not only are they exploiting Marion County and company, not only are they exploiting the nursing home patients, they're also exploiting their employees, the, the people that they hire, you know, again, that's, they're hiring through a, through American senior communities. Remember, they're the private partner, right. you know, which, you know, I don't want to go into American senior communities, but they, they have a whole story that's <laughs> interesting in it of themselves, right? A few years ago, yeah. their, their CEO was caught, you know, essentially in a, in a kissing, right? Yes. Oh, and he is literally in federal prison right now. He's in federal prison. Right. So, but there was just so know. much money. I mean, there was so much money flowing in, uh, you know, that people like him, you know, it was too easy to just, so, I mean, cause nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to right. be watching that right. he could just take whatever money he wanted. 
I mean, right. I'm sure, you know, when you're in something like that, that's so, you know, unethical from, you know, from the start that, you know, another step of embezzling, you know, doesn't really, it's not much of a step. Yeah. <laughs> that point. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So we're going to wrap up. Um, but thank you so much for doing this with me, Susie. Um, your sure. story is just amazing. And, um, and I just hope that you are so proud of yourself like I am for, you know, for just being such a hero and pushing. Well, this I, you know, I, I don't think of myself that way. I'm, I, you know, I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful for, you know, like I said, all the big blessings that happened in this case, you know, all the, all the miracles, you know, the fact that, you know, this, uh, you know, brilliant appellate attorney came to help us, you know, just out of nowhere, you know, and, and his big law firm, I mean, that was miracle number one, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I am uh, so grateful for all the amicus briefs. We had 25 amicus briefs with over 200 signatories from so many big national organizations, as well as, you know, Nancy Pelosi, you know, the Speaker of the House, and, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, Democratic leadership, you know, the top Democratic leadership in, in Congress. We had, you know, former um, HHS officials, um, you know, former members of Congress. I mean, if you look at just the amicus briefs, I mean, it was just a tsunami of amicus briefs begging the court and trying to demonstrate to the court, please do not, do not do this, you know? You know, AARP, they were a fantastic supporter actually. So I encourage everybody to, you know, join when you're over 50, become a member of AARP because they really do fight for people. They have a legal foundation and they, they they have supported us from the beginning, from the Seventh Circuit and also the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. It's, uh, you know, I think really the, the premier like national organization for uh, nursing home care advocacy, you know. So, I mean, throughout this journey, just there was so many blessings that came you know i call them my angels they you're so many angels you know so we had all this positive energy you know well, and then right of course, was you know, on your side you know? exactly i feel i really do feel you know if you if you uh you know fight the good fight you know for for good you know the motivation for this case was really love and 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 you know something good you know and we had a lot of support this was, it's, in my mind, it was always like this battle of good versus evil, really. I know this sounds and it, a little it, it, it was, yeah. But it, it really, it really is. It has been, you know. And I tell you what, the forces of good lined up big time. And so many angels came to help us. And, I mean, really, I also have to say thank you to the United States Supreme Court, you know. I mean. Right. Well, and know, I think you said it best when you said, you know, even these very conservative um, Supreme Court justices, you know, felt like this was too much. I mean, that that they could not even find a way to justify this kind of cruelty. And absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And this, of course, this they're all decision. old, so they are they're all going to end up in one of these nursing homes pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This decision, I have to say, you know, is uh, is is um, Justice Jackson's first major opinion, you know, uh -huh. which of course I'm thrilled about. Yes. <laughs> and it's beautifully written. And, um, you know, really, it's, it's, it's a smackdown to HHC, to the state of Indiana, and the Solicitor General of the United States, as far as I'm concerned, they all got a major smackdown. And I cannot be more thrilled, um, you know, with the seven justices who, you know, were on our side, what can we say? And, and unfortunately, we didn't get all of them. But, you know, we weren't able to convince all of them. That's okay. Yeah. We only needed five and we got seven. So it's, it's really yeah. a resounding yeah. victory. A really it is a resounding, resounding victory. victory. Absolutely. So I am so grateful to, to the Supreme court. What can I say? You know, who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susie. Thanks for your interest, Deb. For thank doing you so this. much. Oh, well, the, I, you know, I hope more people will become aware of this yeah. and will well, start suing, be, well, you know, because I feel like there's a sense out there that people just kind of suck it up and they just, you know, they just live with this terrible, terrible care that their family members get. And so well, I hope this really makes people aware. Yeah, for a long time, that's what's been happening. And of course, HHC and other county hospitals have been able to get away with it because they're protected by the Indiana Medical Malpractice Act. But, right. you know, you guess what? Were. Yeah, not anymore. So, right. you know, right. thanks again for your interest. Thanks, of course, for all your advocacy, you know, and, um, you know, just 
just very grateful, you know, for this decision. So I hope, I really hope and pray that it's going to help a lot of people. And I hope I can get justice for my father. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.